Amen. Well, and as we're going to be looking at some of the numbers and information about our church, that's actually a good reminder. Um, we have we have flummoxed and frustrated several uh, consultants over the years. Um, here we go, first try. <laughs> um, because, you know, they will ask, like, what are your measures of success, or, you know, how do you know when you're, you know, whatever, and they, they want nails and numbers and nickels and all that kind of stuff, and, and, uh, and so we, we tell them, like, listen, we're, we are failing if we're not obedient, no matter what all the other numbers look like, and so as a reminder, our, our purpose for our existence is the glorification of Christ, is to live out as his body on earth. And if we're doing that well, then maybe there's a, uh, maybe we'll grow. Maybe we'll shrink. Um, you certainly can grow a church without obeying Christ, and you certainly can um, uh, shrink a church in obeying Christ. And so our goal first and foremost is that. Um, and so as we share some of these numbers and that kind of stuff, um, uh, hopefully we won't ever lose track of any of that. Um, so, talking about who we are and where we are and what's going on with us, um, we've got um, a lot of different stuff that's gone on this year. It's been a big year for us. It's obviously been a weird year for everybody this year um, as we face these different things. So, one of the questions we've asked ourselves is, are we healthy? The leadership board and the staff, as we sit and discuss these things, are we healthy as a church? Well, a lot of the the normal things you look for can't really be looked for <laughs> this year. Um, normally, if you would say, hey, would, and I don't, we don't know why there's doing this flashy blue thing, um, something about Apple's mad at us about something. So whoever, we'll see. Um, but so, for example, um, this is, we have now quite a few staff who have been here in the um, eight to 10 year range, and that's mostly this. In fact, um, the person with the longest tenure here, um, as far as going all the way back to First Baptist uh, South Campus is actually Donise in the white shirt there. She runs our hand-in-hand program here. And, uh, and then soon after her is Rebecca, and then literally Rebecca was hired in the next week. I was hired after Rebecca was hired. And so, um, so we've, we've been here now almost 10 years, and the two of us and then Donise a little more than 10 years. And so it's, um, it's wild to consider that. That seems like that's, that's just unthinkable. Um, that it's been that long that we've been here, and probably seems a lot longer to some of you guys uh, than, than even to us. So, uh, and then we have another generation who kind of are in that two or three to five year range um, of being on staff and, uh, and having different roles and that kind of stuff. But here's probably the most amazing uh, and shocking thing to some of you is that uh, it was to us as we experienced this is that this is the staff hired during 2020. Um, and so while we're facing, a lot of places are facing layoffs and stuff like that, um, we actually as a church, um, because of the generosity of the church, we'll talk about that in a minute, we were actually able to, to fill in spots and, and actually 2020 represented the first time that I've been on staff, I think, that we've had our entire staff full. Um, and so we actually ended up getting, we got to hang out with, for example, Reed Livesay, who's the CEO of Pine Cove and and they had to go through layoffs this year. This was a really hard year for camps. If you're connected to 
uh, camping ministry at all. This, this was a really tough year, you can imagine, for camping ministry. And so we were actually able to hire about 10% of their layoffs uh, we were able to hire here, which was a blessing to him. He was so proud to get to, he's a member of our church, to get to continue to minister with these people. Um, so it's, 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 it's huge to watch God's faithfulness even in the midst of hard times. You may have noticed a face missing um, in that list, and it was Lance. And that's just because I want you to know um, that Lance has a new title, not a new job description, um, but a new job title to kind of fit even uh, more clearly in with what he does and what, how you guys really probably experience him. In addition to his role as an equipper, um, many of you have experienced what a great shepherd he is, um, how faithful he is to be there in the hard times and to come alongside you in difficult situations or to just be available. And that's part of the um, equipping that he does, part of the engagement that he does, getting people involved in different roles in the church. So his new job title is actually the Executive Shepherding Pastor. Um, again, many of you have experienced him as a shepherd following along with his gifts and stuff. So anyway, that's, that is a, it's, it's an exciting time to be on our staff here as we've gotten to really invest in and engage with staff. Um, despite this, the evidence, maybe we still are healthy, despite this, these people who you're seeing up here, uh, maybe we're still okay anyway. And so we're going to look at some of the other numbers and see um, what's going on um, for us as a church. And again, I want to remind you, if at any point you have a question um, or something like that, just raise your hand. And I don't, I don't like that. that again, as, as many of you know, that doesn't bother me normally. I mean, again, it freaks you out, but it doesn't bother me at all. Um, you can do that anytime, but especially today um, as we're looking at this kind of stuff. So let's jump into some numbers. Um, again, you won't be able, from that distance, you probably can't see individual numbers, and that's okay. Um, this is our Sunday morning attendance um, during the year 2020. You'll remember this back here was when I preached that horrible sermon. And we, we dropped down to zero. I mean, it was just, it was so bad. And we dropped down to zero. Um, uh, no, that was actually, that was the week, if you remember. Can you imagine a week like this? They don't, uh, I asked around, they don't, no one remembers a seminary class where they teach you what to do with stuff like this. But we're literally on a, on a Monday, we send out a, a whole church email going, hey, just be sensitive on this Sunday. This next Sunday, be sensitive to the fact that some people aren't going to want to shake hands and hug. So, you know, you may be doing fist bumps and stuff or, or whatever. But do, do we do, we actually were talking about, do we put a hand out, do we hand out like armbands, like a red armband means stay six feet from me, a, a yellow armband means I fist bump, but I don't shake hands, or green means, you know, full embrace, you know, what, like, like what, what are those, we were debating that, well, then Wednesday it's, hey, we're not going to do any meeting and greeting at all, and, and, and please move quickly through the foyer, don't hang out in the foyer, all that kind of stuff, and then on Friday of the same week it is, we're not meeting for church. And sometime also on Friday was, and John, could we go live on Sunday? That was just, I mean, you know. So, uh, <laughs> no biggie. Um, all right, so let's, let's then analyze, because you can see we were looking at about a thousand, doesn't like going backwards, um, about a thousand people on Sunday morning um, total before COVID hit. And then when we started back up in May with one service, and maxing out at 250 was the max that we would allow to register. And you could see what's interesting is when you, if you superimpose the numbers of, of new cases in East Texas or in Smith County, that it's the opposite. So as, as, those, as those numbers went down, our numbers would climb a little bit. And when those numbers would go up, they would dip a little bit. And they just, they just kind of continue to be the opposite, which shows people are just using their common sense if, if it seems unsafe. We'll stay home a week and see what happens next week. And, and so people are making those decisions, I think, 
well. And that was our goal from the beginning as we, we used to communicate every week at first about this, and it's just because things haven't changed much in the last few months, we haven't, but is the idea that we want people to have the option. We, we Again, we went online almost immediately, and hopefully um, our internet provider is going better this week, I think, than last week, and we're actually doing online successfully. Um, really, the team has put this stuff together, and it's, it's pretty amazing uh, what we get to do. And there are, it's, it's hard to know through Facebook and, and others exactly what these different numbers mean, but there are, if you go back and look, there are several thousand um, views or engagements or whatever week after week by the time um, sermons by, are a week or two old. A lot of people are going and watching them and sending them to friends and that kind of stuff. So it's, these numbers don't reflect any of that. I don't have any of those numbers here. This is all the people who are, who are present on Sunday morning. And so you can see that even though we were limiting the number at 250, we were having 308 and 313, some of that, because we, here's some things to know, we do have guests who come, which is awesome, and they don't know to register. In fact, almost every week we've had guests um, who have been here, and we're proud to have you guys. Um, about 10% most Sundays of our people are guests, um, plus or minus, and, and so we, we appreciate that. But, and then other times people will come and they'll register their name, but then they don't register how many people they're bringing. And so whatever numbers we have on that, it's going to be a little bit off. These are head counts. So this is what we've head counted. So we're, we're you know, in that range. You can kind of see where those numbers are. So one of the numbers we want to look at and discuss is this question of, well, what about people who are actually registering and signing up? We thought, how do we check those numbers? Well, here's an interesting one. I wanted to know how many unique registrations have we had, meaning how many people have registered, not counting people twice. So if you registered four weeks in a row, you only count as one. That makes sense? <clears throat> that was the plan. Um, this number was the most surprising to me of all the numbers. Since the month of October, we've had 981 unique registrations. And so that means there's 981 different people who have registered just since October to come and attend church, um, which is amazingly close to the numbers we used to have every Sunday. And so what that tells us is there's still a lot of people who are engaged, who want to be here, who are ready to be here, um, and who are registering to come. And this, by the way, is a lowball number. We could easily, because this doesn't represent guests, it doesn't, 60 plus people registered who we had never met before, but they registered. And, and we don't know, that's unique people. So we don't know how many people they brought. Um, and we don't know, a lot of times we don't register. And then when we do register, we don't put down the number of people we're bringing, etc. So it's certainly higher than this. We don't know how much higher than this. This is an encouraging number to me. I don't know about you, but this is, a, this is a very encouraging number to me. I would have guessed half that. Yes, sir. Did that number include how many people they registered or just the registration? No, the, how many people they registered, unique people. So if, if, a, if a person registered people, we didn't count that twice. But if they registered themselves and then six people, that counted as seven people. But then when they did that again the next week, that counted as zero people. So it's, it's a tough number to, to nail down. We, we are confident this is a low number. So it, it, the actual number would be higher. Good question. That represents about 325 households. This is, again, an estimation. That's pretty close to what we've looked at before. Remember, you remember when we were doing the giving for the children's building, that our goal was to have 300 households give? That was our goal. Well, again, this, that number has not meaningfully changed of people who are registering and attending and coming. 
Um, and that's, that's good. Now, you, you may go, wow, well, that seems like we've certainly had some people leave for different reasons during this time. That happens every year, by the way, every single year for different reasons, people leave and, and, and whatever. But the question is, so here's the question. The next question was, how many new members have we had joined? How many new people have joined during 2020? <clears throat> None of us got this right. Any, any guesses? How many new, new members we have in 2020? And that's a, that's a staff member from the back, shout, guessing 50. <laughs> Anybody else? 75. 75 is correct. Actually, 77. We had two join first service. So, <laughs> so you were close. Um, I guessed 25. Mostly staff guessed in the 35 to 40 range. When we discovered it was actually 75 people, that's, that was impressive. That was surprising me. Now, that's actually low for us. Um, but not shockingly low, considering all the factors, the fact that we've had 75 more people um, join. And then um, there was a, there's a, a joke at the seminary um, when I was there that when you say, for, so for Baptist churches, the average Baptist church baptizes how many people in an average year. So, so the, average church, the average Baptist church baptizes, and the joke is the, the average number is zero. That's not accurate. It's not possible to be zero, but, but it is the most common number. If you just put all the church, all the Baptist churches out there, the most common number for how many baptisms in the last year is zero. For our church, usually it's in the 20 to 30 range. Even this year, it was 11 baptisms. So 11 people wanting to be baptized during COVID. Um, and so, again, that's obviously a reduced number for us, but it shows that, that the ministry that we're seeking to live out is still happening. There's still ministry being done in a lot of different ways. These numbers were encouraging to me. I did not expect them to be this high. And so even, even though I'm here pretty much every Sunday seeing it happen, I was thinking these numbers were lower. Um, like, like most people, the numbers I do are subtractions. I don't do additions. And so when I get bad news, I can remember the bad news. But when I get good news, I forget the good news and I forget to add it in as, a, as how that works. That's natural, I think, for most of us. How about our facilities? You won't be able to see these numbers, and I apologize for that. They're probably too far away. Um, we can post the PowerPoint, no problem. But this doesn't include Wednesday nights, Sunday nights, or Sunday mornings. Many of you may not know, but that our facilities are open all the time, and people use them all the time. Um, and by the way, this also doesn't count disc golf players. No one's up there clicking to count disc golf players. This may, that might double this number. I don't know about you guys. I've come up here before in the middle of the night because I lost something or forgot something and needed to come up and get it. And I will get up here, and there are people out there with flashlights playing disc golf. I, I've, I've said before, I hope I learned to love Jesus the way these people love disc golf. It is, it is crazy the, the amount of dedication they have. So we don't, I don't even know how many of that. That is a massive ministry. We now have state level and, Lord willing, national level tournaments hosted on this property um, for disc golf. So figuring out new and exciting ways to engage with and minister to this population that is certainly an unreached people group in so many different ways. So um, that doesn't even count that. This is people who, who call and register to use the facilities in different ways. And if you could see it, down in the bottom right corner is the total for, which ends up being 37,672, which, which it's actually more of an estimate than that. So about 37,000-ish people have used our property this year. 
Now, that's not unique people. That's 30, 37. So we have groups that meet to do exercise here. We have Bible studies that meet here all the time. We have people who host business meetings and seminars and conferences here all the time. And remember, most of this year using the buildings has been restricted. This is still mostly outdoor usage for our property. This number is usually near 50,000 um, because of people couldn't use the indoor. So again, it's a massive ministry opportunity. We're one of the few places in town, churches and otherwise, that don't charge anything for people to use our property. Part of that is because of the generosity of this church that you guys give generously enough that we can afford to do that and afford to clean up and fix broken things and stuff like that. I mean, it's meant to be used. And so that's, it's a, often a church mindset of, well, if people use it, they're going to break it. Like, well, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the point, right? So that's, that's part of why we're here. So again, awesome number. And, and you probably also don't know our hand-in-hand, hand, those of you who don't, you, who don't, uh, are, don't partake in hand-in-hand, hand, our preschool ministry that runs during the week. But our hand-in-hand hand preschool program operated at 75% full in order to, for safety's sake, all year. It, they, they didn't have to really shut down hardly at all, 75%. So hundreds of kids getting to come here and be equipped during the week as well. Um, it's a, an awesome ministry that we have. Um, adult life groups. So considering that we don't have Sunday morning life groups, the fact that we have 22 people every Sunday morning meeting for life groups is impressive. This doesn't, by the way, this doesn't include online. We have a couple of classes that meet um, on property because they don't have, they're at the age, they're at the age that they don't need um, any children's ministry to be running simultaneously. We're going to talk about how things have to happen simultaneously at this church um, in a minute. But we also have several that meet online. They are not represented here. Um, I think the Newberry class, almost every Sunday, they meet online. Um, Charlotte Latham's class meets pretty much every, I don't know if they missed a single Sunday, um, online, um, every Sunday. These are, those are not even counted up here. There are numerous of those that have met. And we, of course, don't keep track of every discipleship group and meetings and relationships and that kind of stuff that's going on. These are official life groups. And considering that we have largely not had life groups, that we have these numbers is good. Now, these numbers are obviously really low. Now, the Sunday morning adult life group number is about one-tenth what it was at this time last year. And you should already be going, well, Chris, how do we get back to that? Glad you asked. We'll get there. But right now, our weekly average during, this is just the fall, was about 133 adults a week involved in life groups here at the church. Um, uh, let's see. Giving. This number was not surprising to me because I know how generous this church is. Um, I, I feel like it's one of those deals where I can, uh, I probably take it a little bit for granted almost, where when people say, hey, we want to come in and do Compassion International at your church, or we want to come in, could you, it was a several years ago, but I remember there was a Sunday that they were like, hey, we need backpacks for this ministry. Do you think your church would be willing to, to buy some backpacks? And I was like, how many do you need? And they said, well, like, I mean, gosh, 100 would be awesome. I was like, okay, assume 100 this Sunday. Like, no, no, no. I mean, that's, no, you're not going to get 100 in one Sunday. I was like, mm, count on 100. I was going to make the announcement, hey, we need to buy backpacks. Could y'all, there'll be backpacks out there. Just go in and drop how much they cost each. Could y'all just buy the backpacks? And it was, it ended up being somewhere over 100 backpacks you guys bought on one Sunday. That, I'm used to that from this church. It's amazing how generous you guys are. Um, I'll share with you a little bit more about that in a second. So this is all year. So the budget requirements for the entirety of 2020, 2 million $50,000. That runs all the ministries, hires all the staff, everything that happens at this church. That's how much it, we budgeted for it to be. What came in 
as of December 21st, so with two weeks left in the year, was $2,300,000. So that's the right direction, by the way, which is a surplus $262,000. Now, that was as of a few days ago. It'll be higher than that by the end of the year. So you go, well, gosh, what happens with that? What's going to probably end up being $300,000? We do things like resurface the parking lot or put lights up out in the parking lot. Or big projects comes from that. We also do put money from that in scholarships for adoption, scholarships for schooling, that kind of stuff. That, that money goes into a number of different headings. Again, if you've not been to church for, been here for a while, you may not know that also 10% of our budget goes automatically to other ministries. So if, 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 you give a, if you give $10, one of those dollars leaves the church and goes out to another ministry. Um, starting this year, because of the level of generosity where we are, we've decided to bump that to 12%. So the leadership staff has bumped that to 12% for 2021 with a goal. This is just a goal. This isn't a vision or a dream or anything like that. Just a goal of eventually being a church that gives 20%. Um, that, that two out of every $10 that comes into the church goes back out. of. And I'm going to talk about ministries of the church. That's what the 90% goes to. The 10% goes to other ministries that we are intimately connected with as a church body. If there's a ministry that you are personally intimately connected with and you would like for us to uh, maybe, maybe reach out to them and help them as well, um, this one, you need to send an email to Rebecca Rains. That falls under her leadership. Um, second, this is a good time of the year to do it because our plan, what we do is we give 10% of all the money that comes in, not the money budgeted. Well, so you already saw we're already $200,000 past that. We'll probably be $300,000 past it by the end. So there's going to be $30,000 that that team is going to have to give away quickly. Um, as Bobby Hicks, one of our leadership members, says, we don't want to get caught with it. He's like, no, no, get Get it out of here. We don't want Jesus to come back and we're sitting on 30 grand of his money that he wanted, you know. So, so that is a, to say, we, we, want, we want that to happen. So if you know of some, if there's a ministry you're intimately connected with, encourage them to email Rebecca Range. Drop your name because it's just a random ministry we've not heard of. We get those constantly. We don't know them and we're very hesitant to give to those because sometimes they're not safe. But if there's one that you're connected with and you want to let them know to communicate with Rebecca or you communicate with Rebecca, and get a relationship there started as well. Um, so some of the ministries, you won't be able to read all these, um, but some of the ministries that we have given to this last year, here's page one, page two, page three, and page four of the ministries that we have given to this year out of that 10%. And we, we would love for there to be even more and, uh, and on top of that, um, this year we have an additional um, cool thing is that um, 100% of the payroll protection money has been forgiven by the government, and so we now have the opportunity to creatively figure out how to invest that in the kingdom. And so you can be praying for the leadership board as they begin to really figure out how do we then take that money and invest that into the kingdom in new and unique ways as well. So um, that's, that's pretty exciting stuff. Any questions? Okay, good. Student ministry averages. This is fall of 2019. You remember how that? That was six years ago before COVID. Um, that's what those look like. So on Sunday nights, spring of 2020, when, we, when COVID hit, our average was 74. That, it'll come. There it is. That went up 
Um, and so, and then fall of 2020, down a little bit from spring, as is typical, but still above the average from the year before, because teenagers want to hang out, especially when they can't hang out at school that much. Um, and this is the Sunday night, by the way, is intense Bible study. It's not. It, it's it's less hangout, and although it involves that, and more Bible study time. And the kids are coming in droves. This is a healthy number. Um, Sunday nights usually represent the, the Sunday night. The Bible study time usually represents. This is a generality. About five percent of a church's population in student ministry should be gathering for Bible study, just on an average. So again, the fact that we have this many kids coming on Sunday nights indicates there's a lot of people ready to come to church. At least they're sending their teenagers to church. Wednesday nights, only slightly down during the spring and still only slightly down during the fall. And really that's represented by one or two Wednesday nights that were just low for some reason, probably during the height of the numbers, that the, the slightly down number. But so on Wednesday nights, remember we've, we've had... A few dozen adults here, and while we've had a few dozen adults here, we've had a hundred teenagers here, and a bunch of children too, as you'll see. Good? But you'll notice no Sunday morning, because we're not doing Sunday morning student ministry yet. Um, and again, you're going, gosh, Chris, how do we get back to that? Again, I'm so glad you asked. We're getting there. And that's this. So here's Sunday morning children's numbers. So you can see what a normal Sunday looks like for us without any pandemics going on. Um, and that's in the area of 400 children. This is sixth grade and down. That's a lot. In other words, out of a thousand people present on Sunday morning-ish, 1,200-ish present on Sunday morning, 400 of them are children. Another hundred, five, so a total of 500 of them are under 18. That's a normal Sunday for us, is for close to 50% of us who are present on a Sunday morning to be under 18, which means when you're talking about those who are going to serve and lead, you start with this number of 1,000, and you take 500 of them, and you slide them off the table because they're under 18 and can't serve under those settings, okay? So what you're left with is about 500 adults on a Sunday morning who could serve, about 500. Now, that's out of a larger number than the 500 rotates, but of those who are present on a Sunday morning. About 10% of those are going to be guests, so cut another 50 out of that. Another 10% are people who cannot serve for one reason or another. So take them all. So it leaves you with about 400, about 400 people on a Sunday morning who are present who could serve, and of those, about 120 have to be. Now you see why we're a church where every member must be a minister. Because on any given Sunday morning, about a quarter of us have to be working at the church. And, in, and just in case those same quarter don't want to work every single Sunday forever, we better create a rotation of people who can do that. That's why we need 300 people to run our children's ministry, another couple of dozen to run our student ministry, another dozen or so to run hospitality, and another dozen or so to run adult ministries that we're operating on a Sunday morning. And that's when one of the distinctives of our church is that we have the every member being a minister mindset, which I think we've, we've kind of um, gotten out of uh, the habit of. So this is our, this is our children's ministry roles. That's the number of children who are on our class. These are ones who have attended class and are on the rolls. 
That adds up to 722 kids. Now, part of our mindset is that we recognize that children are going to probably be facing a more difficult experience as a Christian in America. We have a whole bunch of them that we need to be equipping to be prepared to live out as faithful Christians in a culture that is not faithful to Christians, um, that is going to be more and more over time probably um, have more animosity for Christianity than acceptance of Christianity. And again, we're seeing that in multiple settings around the world, and America tends to follow behind that. Um, and so for us to be prepared, part of our mindset needs to be this. So you go, okay, so then why that 150 number? What does that even mean, that 150 number that goes around? Here it is. The 150 represents half of the people we need to be signed up to serve, lead, teach, etc. in children's ministry. Now, children's ministry, because it is our greatest opportunity and therefore our greatest need for people to step up and lead and teach, it begins to feel like the bad guy if you're not careful. And that's not the case at all. It is, the truth is, God has been incredibly gracious and generous with giving us children to minister to. But what it means is we have to step up as the adults and leaders and members. We have to step in to lead. And my personal opinion is it's time. Now, not to, we don't have to be at 300, but if you said, well, Chris, when, do we, gonna, when are we going to need to be at 300? I would say by August. Now, August. Assuming you know, that there's not some other craziness that happens this year. Assuming that there's not going to be like some total other strain of COVID that comes out of or Europe or something, you know, nutty hypothetically like that, that's going to somehow throw all of this off. But I think we're going to be in a place to where maybe by fall, enough people will have done the whole vaccine thing, enough people will feel safe, enough people will whatever, that I think if we're ready, we could see record number of people in church. The natural temptation for people, the natu- and I mean that in a positive way, the natural tendency for people is when they face hardship is to seek out church. What makes a quarantine such a difficult situation is at the very time that people want to be here, they don't feel safe being here. I suspect as soon as the barriers are down, they will start showing up. And my worry is we won't be ready. That as the member ministers of South Spring, we won't be ready for them. <clears throat> That's 300. So at our goal of 150, instead of picking a date, we don't want to pick a date because the date could be totally arbitrary, and that could be the week that some other new piece of information gets announced, and they're going, oh, sorry, we said this date, it's actually this date. But instead to look at the barometer of saying when 150 of our member ministers sign up to say, when we get to 150, I'll be ready to serve. When we get there. Now, again, some people have been very confused about this, so let me help. First, why? Why does it take 150? Here's why. Because we are all integrated as a church at different levels. Let me ask you a question. How many people do you know in our church, how many families in our church have children that are at multiple different levels of ministry age? How many families have children in preschool and children in elementary school? How many, children, how, many, how, many, how many families have children in elementary school and in middle school? Because see, if you have both, you can't serve yet. Because like my wife would say, well, I can't serve yet in preschool as much as she would love to because we have two elementary school children and a student. 
And unless they're going to come in the service for two straight hours, not going to happen. We got to have elementary school running before she can serve in preschool. Does that make sense? There's going to be somewhere for her elementary school kids to go while she's serving in preschool. Is this making sense? Y'all look confused. And by the way, if you have a question, if you're on Facebook or whatever, you got a question, type it in. I'll answer it next week. Is this making sense? Different layers. You can't, you can't if, if you have an elementary school kid, you can't right now serve in preschool because that elementary school kid doesn't have a place to go. So we need elementary school to be open at the same time. Well, guess what? If we open up elementary school and more people have to serve, that's more preschool kids that we have to be prepared to take care of in the, at the same time. So now we need more preschool workers as well. Oh, and we have student, ministers, student ministry kids who want to come. Oh, good. That'd be great. We'd love to have them. We have plenty of workers ready to step in and do that. But the problem is they all have kids who are in elementary and preschool. So we've got to have those. So what has to happen is it all has to happen at once. A big thing has to happen at once, which is adult education, student education, elementary school, and preschool all has to open at the same time. Well, we can't just announce that that's going to happen because if enough people don't register to serve, it won't happen. And then people will show up and we won't have anything going on. So you see why the tipping point has to be dependent upon when people register to serve and work and lead. That's what's going to dictate when we can do it. I may have just made that more confusing. Y'all look really... Is, is, is everybody following? Anyway, I'm all alone up here. Okay, okay, good, good. So if I get some thumbs up, that's helpful. Y'all are so used to Zoom, you're like, am I muted or am I unmuted? So you go with the thumbs Good, thumbs up is good. Thumbs up lets me know. Okay, that's why that has to happen. We're at 100. There's no good reason. Um, I'm going to close this now. You can turn on the other. There's no good reason why we couldn't be at 150 now. We have 981 people who have registered in the last few months. Now, except that you might say, well, we don't feel like it's safe yet to work with children or whatever. That's fine. That's why we're only looking for 150, not 300. Is there's going to be some people who aren't ready. There's some people who are at home who aren't ready to be here that don't feel safe or whatever, and that's totally fine. We have intentionally tried to create a world where whatever you're ready for, if you're ready to be here, We'll try to make it as safe as we can. If you're not ready to be here, we have the opportunity for you to engage online. If you're ready to be here but you want to be in a small group, Wednesdays and Sunday nights are your opportunity. So we've tried to do all of that. So during these next three weeks of overlapping sermons, I'm going to do a shorter version of this introduction the next two weeks so that the people who are here next week who weren't here this week can see some of these basic numbers as well. It'll be shorter, much, much more quick. Um, uh, and then I'm going to build a sermon from that. Here's my thesis. The need is here now. We could be signing up now. Two, the potential is only growing. And I think, Lord willing, barring some other big cataclysm, it's going to continue to grow. The need is here. The potential is growing, and the opportunity is imminent. There will come a day when we are all gathered here together as we were before, Lord willing. That day will hopefully come again. And we'll be able to do that. And I don't want us to feel like, oh, success is we're back to where we were. No, success is as we continue to obey God to worship together. I'm going to go over this in some of the next weeks. To worship together, to study the teachings of his apostles, to break bread, and to fellowship together. Those are the measures of success that we have. We're a local church known for our hospitality, and we've been crippled in our ability to show hospitality in the last year 
but we've made a, a real effort at it, and people have experienced it. It's been amazing to me that while we've had one or two people express you know, dismay that we weren't more welcoming, um, uh, there have also been people who have said, I'm stunned at how, how welcoming people have been even during this time. We're famous for having the highest quality ministry to children and teens, and I think we do. And even that's, we've been hogtied in so many ways. Camp had to be totally different. D-Now, some of our biggest, best events for the children and students to come and enjoy, they've had to be limited, greatly limited. And yet, one thing after another, we've made the best efforts that we can, and we've seen that. We soberly see the challenges for the future of our children. Do we retreat? Do we quit? Do we surrender? No, what South Spring does is we equip. As we, we set aside our own preferences and we step in and we start equipping. For some of you, there, there's an age group that, that it is your calling. God has called you to this. Some of you had this growing up. I'm going to talk about this in the next couple of weeks. I asked on Facebook if anybody had great stories for when they were young, their student, I mean, the, the person who was their children's minister or, or Sunday school teacher or whatever and what you experienced. And I'm going to continue to gather those but many of us, we know we wouldn't be where we are in our lives today if it wasn't for someone who led in children's church or someone who led in Sunday school and all the different things we called it back then. And, and we wouldn't be here. That, that is what we've got to step up and do now, is to be preparing these children and students to face what's coming their way. The pressures are such that we can't really predict it all that well. We just know it's going to be intense. So we want these kids equipped. And if you say, you know what, third graders, that's my deal. I love third graders. And I'm going to, blessings on you. But if you say, that's what I love, I'm just going to, I'm going to work in, in third grade children's ministry until they, until I die or the Lord shall come, right? Whatever. That's you. Awesome. You don't have to take, you don't have to be in a rotation. I mean, you have to be prepared to take some time off. But if you go, you know what, this is, this is my heart and this is my passion. And you're, you're the right person for that. You, we love that. That is great for students, for children to see the same teacher week after week after week after week, to know they're invested, to know they're there. That is awesome, and we love that. And if that's you, you say, here's the age group I want to be working with. This is the age group I feel like God has called me to, and I want to work with them every Sunday. You just have me some backup for when I go on vacation or when I'm sick, and we're good. Awesome. We need you. By we, I mean we need each other to step into those roles. But here's the deal. If you're not called, as in like your passion and your heart isn't, that you go, this is, this, I just don't love working with little kids. Well, if you're going to be a member at South Spring, part of our calling at South Spring is to equip these kids, and you probably do need to be in a rotation for working with them. We've tried to figure out a way for me to take a you know, one-month or two-month or three-month rotation in the midst of it, and we haven't figured that out yet. Um, but I, back, I actually did it before when I didn't preach every uh, Sunday, or most Sundays. But to have that going on, for us to find ways for us to be doing more of that and more of that, that we need to be part of that rotation. If you're part of South Spring, if you're equipped, if you're qualified to work with children, and not everyone is, but if you're qualified to work with children, we really probably need you to at least be available at some level. And that's part of the opportunity that we have to pour into the next generation of Christian leaders in our nation. Um, I, I am not a visionary. I know visionaries. I am not one of them. Um, we, are, we are made up of workers from the very beginning. I've been told every member is a minister at this church. It was one of the things I was hired on 
was, listen, you just watch. Every member here is a minister. Everybody's a worker. Um, I'm not a visionary, but I, I think I have some insight into what is coming next. And I really do think uh, we're, as a nation and as a culture and as a community, um, healthy churches is gonna, are going to be greatly needed in our culture. Raising up and training children is going to be a huge opportunity. Some of you are already so dedicated and devoted into this. People are ready, and those that aren't ready will be ready soon. People are looking for a place to invest with their families. And I think that's only going to increase. I think there's going to be a cultural pushback. And churches who are ready to step in and absorb and love people and give them an opportunity to serve, I think have a real opportunity um, I think you'll be surprised at how many people are still going to be engaging and you'll be hopeful. So we cannot wait until things get back to normal in order for us to get back to work for a couple of reasons. One, we don't need to be doing it all at once. We need to have as many stages as we can and the next stage is 150 people signing up to be prepared. We've got the other number. It could have been anything. That's just the one we still need. The others are already checked off and there's still some numbers there as well. We also need to get warmed back up. I think if you'd have gone to people in February and said, hey, you know what? Everybody gets a month off from ministry. Just take a month off and then come back ready to go. Everyone would have been like, that is awesome. What a great idea. We're going to take this month off and I'm going to come back ready to go. But I think after about six months or seven months, it's no longer resting. It's more like rigor mortis, right? We've now become kind of stuck sitting and we've gotten comfortable and it's going to, you're going to have to stretch out and get back warmed up and ready to get back to work and to get back engaged. We have adapted to all of the hardships that we've faced as a country. Hundreds of thousands of deaths, millions of people infected. I read one number that 31% of small businesses are not operational right now, which just breaks my heart for people who've invested that stuff. States and churches and others have tried. I'm going to be challenging us for the next couple of weeks to step up to start to really be ready. We're laying the foundation and starting the ministry back up, getting the gears back going so that we are ready to serve when everybody else is ready to come back, Lord willing, by the fall. Again, if it doesn't work out that way, it doesn't. We can adapt. But I think we're there. I think it's time. The Corinthians were wrestling with some of these mistakes too, and I want to make sure you hear from me. Um, My attitude is not a finger pointing. I don't know your situation. Oh, that's between you and the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm not the Holy Spirit. But I do feel like it is part of my job to start guiding all of you hardworking sled dogs in a certain direction. And part of the direction we all need to be pulling is to be ready for when this comes, for when people do start showing back up. And it may happen um, in a sudden way. And so I'm taking one of Paul's phrases, I urge you and that's going to become kind of a phrase for the next few weeks is what I urge you to do. My heart is this. It's, this is from 1 Corinthians 4.14. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. I want to challenge all of us here at South Spring without seeming to lack understanding. You, you guys are my beloved. Um, and I want to show us in God's word that we don't have the luxury. As the pastor growing up, Kent Pate, he used to say almost every Sunday that we don't have the luxury of sitting on our blessed assurance. We are building towards something. We're learning to live according to the truth that every member is a minister. So here's the passage we'll be breaking down over the next few weeks. Ephesians 4. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, 
eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. The plan A, God's plan A for the world to get to know Him is His church, and there's not a plan B. So with that in mind, I want us to be prayerfully asking ourselves, is it time? Is it time to step in and to sign up and to let, people, let, let the ministries know, okay, you know what, I'm ready. When we're, we're, when we're going, I'm going to be part of the people who are going. When we're working, I'm going to be part of the team that's working. So the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be pushing this and talking about how we, how we do that and to motivate us to do that, all right? Stand, if you will. Let's, let's, let's pray together. Ask God to motivate us, to lead us, to guide us. Um, again, for those who are online as well, um, wherever we are, that we're prayerfully asking God, what is the role that he has for me in his kingdom, the capital C church? That doesn't go away. And a small C church, this one right here, um, is also um, part of our calling. So what is that? Yeah, you are called to some ministry in this church if you're here. If you're not in a phase of rest, we rest and then we work. Six days you work and then you rest. That's a two-part command, not just a one-part command. We work and we rest. That's the Christian walk. If you're in a rest phase, awesome. If you're not, that means you're in a work phase. And that's us. So let's be praying that God would guide us in that. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to answer your call. I pray you would teach us and you would lead us. Lord, even as we're about to sing, that every area of our life is yours, not ours. It's yours, not ours. I don't have rights to anything. I don't have the luxury of anything. It's all stuff you give me, all things you call me to. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to have the mindset of sacrificing, of laying everything on the altar for you, our own preferences, our own desires, and that we need to figure out where we're going to be engaged in your kingdom, big scale, and here in this community. Thank you, Father. We love you in your son's name. Amen.